How do you know if you're a psychic? Well, I suppose the very simple answer is you know if you are or not. The thoughts and ideas expressed in this podcast are solely those of the authors and guests of the podcast. Listener discretion is advised. Welcome to Soberless Thoughts. I'm Mike Erdenbeck. I'm Alex Gorley. And these are our Soberless Thoughts. Hello and welcome to the most uh, riveting show that has uh, pig Latin subtitles. <laughs> I'm Mike Erdenbeck. That's Alex Corley. This is Serverless Thoughts, and we're going to be drinking Victorian lemonade tonight. Yes. And what partake is this shit, Alex? <laughs> so I, uh, because of the main topic we're doing, I thought it'd be nice to bring it back because you said it was had to do with the Victorian era. So I started looking it up and Victorian era was like the beginning of mixology, like prohibition really brought it to the forefront. So a lot of the Victorian cocktails were very like tea oriented. Like there was a lot of tea, a lot of lemonade essentially, and like root beer. Like it was very like they were kind of figuring out how to drink this stuff. So they were like some of the tea ones were like you use cloves and cinnamon and make this big giant thing like it sounded like something you would drink on the holidays yeah um so i found this lemonade one i just found the literally it's called victorian lemonade on here and i kept seeing uh lemonade kind of stuff because mainly rich people could get lemons uh so it was like considered hoity-toity i believe so oh, yeah um, that's, that's what this is all about tonight you, you damn right we we of course nowadays it's like everybody and their mom drinks lemonade like oh you drink lemonade um i drink cucumber water um sprinkled with gold flakes now uh but <laughs> so what this is it's it's a variation on the lemonade so i think you, i think you've been drinking too much gold sugar is what that is <laughs> god no yeah i have in my lifetime i've drinking too much uh one <laughs> shot is too much um so the victorian lemonade uh the way we're gonna make it is we're gonna take a handful of mint about five or six leaves up to like 12 if it depends on how minty you want it and then what you want to do is bruise the mint leaves so my man, Mike over there was asking me what to do. And I told him to grab a big handful of it and take his other hand and slap the shit out of the mint. Now, the reason you do this is because it will bruise the mint, lets out some of the oils and a lot of the fragrance. So it actually will get more minty the more you damage it. Now, I didn't think you would have a muddler because it said to bruise it with the muddler, but you can do it in your hands. It just takes a little extra second. Yeah, so, yeah I have. But I have like the thunderclap of Thor. I forgot about that. You do. Yes. So um, when I do that in the kitchen with mint in my hand, like the whole neighborhood knows. <laughs> <laughs> so my wife is looking at me like, what is happening right now? Why yeah. is the foundation shaking? And I'm like, well, because Alex told me to clap with mint in my hand. So, yes. Uh, so you definitely. Uh, bruised that mint and got out those essential oils. Um, and, or as they say, you activated the mint. Uh, so we threw that in the glass. Yes. And we topped it full of ice. And yes. then we put a shot or two of gin because the Victorian era love their gin. Mm. Um, and then you basically make lemonade. Now, the original recipe was like 
uh, I think it was like an ounce and a half of lemon, ounce and a half of bar syrup to an ounce, and then just topped off with cool water. You could use, you know, soda water if you make it bubbly. I did the, I feel like I did the Poe version. Like I, I took mint, I took gin, and then my dad has a big jug of crystal light he makes every night. So I just dumped it in. Oh, there you go. Well, yeah. so I, uh, I bruised my mint yeah. and then I filled it with ice. I put a shot and a half of gin in and then I topped it off with, uh, I cheated a little bit. I topped it off with Mike's hard lemonade. Oh, wow. Okay. <laughs> so I'm really going for it tonight. Yeah. <laughs> There's no dipping your toe in these waters. You're going head first. <laughs> no, no, no. No, I dive head first. Yes, every time. Submerged logs be damned. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So let's take a drink and see what these taste oh, like. Yeah. Duh. I was sitting there going, All right, let's start this thing. Yeah, let's try these things first. Good God, yeah. where am I at? <laughs>
This is quite refreshing. Yeah, dude. Um, <laughs> like, I'm not the biggest gin drinker, but that's pretty, uh, that's that's solid. Wow. Who would have thunked it? Who would have uh, thunked it? Dude, it, uh, this is, this is, this is very good. I like, I like that I will, when I finish this glass, I have little green specks of leaf in my teeth. <laughs> it always makes me feel better. Yeah. About myself. <laughs> yeah that's good i don't even know what gin tastes like by itself but i'll tell you what mixed with uh some mike's hard lemonade and some mint leaves can't go wrong there yeah man that's uh that's pretty good like i feel like we need to go put on some suits and go watch the horse races or something yeah, well, we'll do that one day. Like, like have some all like wear those all white suits that the rich people wear at the, at the horse tracks. Oh yeah, yeah, dude, I want to wear an all white suit, but not not actually all white. It'll have like little uh, horses on, like in the material, like yeah. embedded into the material. There's just a bunch of little horses everywhere. Yeah, that would be amazing if I could find that and wear that. Yeah, I'd like to have one with just like a big giant barbecue stain down the front of it. Um. <laughs> <laughs> Dude, there's the reason I think about that is because there was this uh, golf pro at this golf shop I used to go to, and on I was over there on St. Patrick's Day a couple of years ago, and he comes walking outside, and he's got these like just solid white golf pants with these tiny little four leaf clovers all over the golf pants yeah i'm like hell yeah man that's that's hotness right there hell to the yeah i loved it dude we've got to go to keelan uh i know churchill downs the place to go but we got to go to keelan one time with the ladies and we'll bring our podcasting gear and we'll tailgate and we'll do half the episode beforehand we'll go in We'll come back out and do the other half. <laughs> okay. Yeah. yeah. Sure. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. We'll definitely get a cab ride home oh. or do a hotel. <laughs> yeah. We'll do something. <laughs> yeah. All right. Tonight. <laughs> Dude. 
do, 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 do. Tonight, we are talking about the Victorian era medium famously known as Florence Cook. Florence <laughs> Cook. Alex, have you ever heard of Florence Cook? No. I have not either until I started uh, the research into what happened in the 1800s. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like there's so much that did go on in the 1800s, and I feel like we're probably skimming over a bunch. <laughs> yeah, someone, someone brought up all these wars, and I was like, oh, yeah, I forgot all that crap happened. It might be why there was no people. <laughs> there was there was a there was a war in the eighteen hundreds. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Have we done an episode on Harry Houdini at all? I don't think so. I don't, I, that just like jumped to my brain because that's I've always been intrigued by that guy, and I think he used to go around disproving mediums. Yeah, yeah, that was one of the things that he did. Yeah. All right, so Florence Cook. Uh, Florence Cook was born in June 3rd, 1856. Okay. And died April 22nd, 1904. That's the episode. Thanks, everybody. Yep. Have a good right. night. See you later. Have a good yeah. night. <laughs> <laughs> See you next week. So, when she was like 14, around that age, she started uh, having like like possession or not possession but like uh poltergeist type like activity going on mm-hmm. in our house okay so she's a she's a mid to mid to poor class in london is where we're talking about and and she's she's got a younger sister named kate and her parents and all this like crazy shit starts happening in our house and around this time, there's a bunch of uh, it's what they call the spiritual movement. So like all these, uh, it actually started with, I believe they're called the Fox sisters in New York started this whole thing where they would have like be sitting next to a table in a big seance. Do you know what a seance is? Yes. And I know the three sisters you're talking about. Um, I'm trying to think of their name. Hold on. I'm kind of see if I can. Um, Is it not the Fox sisters? You might be right. Yep. Fox sisters. Yeah. So it started with them in New York and uh, basically a seance for those who don't know is when uh, a group of people sit around a table or sit in a dark room and some shit gets off the rails now (laughs) now you might think that it's like spooky or kind of kind of creepy or whatever but they actually looked at this as like a fucking party like this was yeah like this was the this was the good times to be having like like they would bust out the bottles of liquor and be drinking these uh victorian lemonade type shits and just be having a ball like doing this and just loving every minute of it. So, and <laughs> so these girls that were mediums or spiritualists uh, back then, they were all usually young, very attractive girls. And what would happen, what would, what would go on at these uh, 
at these seances yeah is it was like being at the motherfucking strip club dude <laughs> i think i remember hearing some of this uh yeah <laughs> so <laughs> dude so they would they would like literally because because you gotta think about this time okay we're talking about the basically when this all happened was like in the mid 1870s yeah okay at at this time in history people were very hands off people were very like uh conservative if you want to talk in like conservative and like uh modern times right yeah very conservative they were not into there was no strip like it was very frowned upon to go to you know something like a strip club or something like that right mm-hmm. so people were civilized you know <laughs> <laughs> you know yeah of course yeah of course of course so at a seance though when a spirit is manifested and the spirit just happens to be a super hot young girl who likes to dance around the room and get naked and flop on your lap and touch you and tickle you and kiss on your ear and grind on you if she wants and do all kinds of other crazy shit like that that is basically frowned upon in normal society but hey it's a spirit doing it it's not a real person doing it then it was okay people were all they're just fine with that as a matter of fact mostly these guys had their wives in the room with them and they were just applauding it and clapping and cheering it on Cause they were drunk on the brandy too. So Florence cook arrives on the scene. Okay. She's 14 years old. And she, like I said, there's like uh poltergeist like activity going on. So she decides her and her girlfriends from her school decide that they're going to start trying to practice seances and practice being mediums. Right. And they start getting better. First, they start with like uh, like table knocks where they would say, you know, basically they'd get in contact with a spirit and they'd say knock once for yes, knock two times for no or some shit like that. Right. Right. Like finish the uh, the dun 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 dun. <laughs> and then bump, the, bump. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> they would do crazy shit like that. What is that called? The shaving. So. Something in a shave, shaving a haircut, shaving a haircut. That's it. Yeah. Why do they call it that? I don't know. It's what they said in Roger or who framed Roger Rabbit. I just remember him going, uh, shave and a haircut. And then Roger Rabbit busts through the wall. (laughs) (laughs) That's my reference for it. (laughs) It makes sense. Yeah. So she started with that. And then one day she's doing one of these seance, practicing one of these seances and the whole table starts to levitate and they're like oh shit like you got something actually going on here yeah and uh so she goes off to uh well she says that the spirit whispered in her ear that she needed to go to like the high council of the spirit society or some shit like that right yeah so she's like all right well i'm gonna go off there and uh, I don't remember what the name of it actually is, but she's going. She's going to go there, and 
become an apprentice, basically, of spiritualism. So she starts working under the tutelage of this other guy who was like one of the head dudes there. And he's like teaching her all the tricks of the trade. Mm -hmm. And uh, I feel like it's magic school, honestly. It's Hogwarts. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) No, but no, like, like, you know, the magic school that David Copperfield went to. Oh, all right. Slide of hand. Yeah. So, uh, but we'll get into that. So, so she goes there and the guy who she's learning underneath of is able to like manifest full body spirits. Yeah. And he gets her going and doing like the same thing. And eventually she's able to start manifesting this other girl who uh, goes by the name of Katie King. Mm. And it's a spirit named Katie King. So, and apparently Katie King had been materialized by a few other, uh, a few other spiritualists and mediums in London before Florence Cook could ever do it. Katie King's gotten around. So Katie, yeah, Katie King has been around the circuit for a while. Yeah, you know, as a stand-up comedian, you know, you you start doing the circuit, you start going to different clubs here, there, That's here, right. and there. Yeah, and then you, you find working yeah. on your material, and yeah, and then you finally find a place that you're really comfortable with and that you really like the owner and everybody else, and you just kind of stick to that club, right? Is it just me, or does it seem like the guy running the school is just like, all right, look, or it's almost like, um, oh my god, I was watching this the other day. It's like Coneheads. When they're like, all right, your name is uh, Sam Polinucci or whatever his name was. And you're just like, all right, your medium is uh, Katie King. But wasn't that the other thing? The other shit? I don't worry about it. All right, you're going to do Katie King. She's going to come here. You're going to do your thing. Wham, bam, bam. Moving on. All right, next girl. All right, so you're going to manifest Katie King. Uh, <laughs> it's almost like it's, his, like it's his textbook, right? Yeah. It's, yeah. A, it's, the, it's just the, don't, it's the game plan. Yeah, don't veer off the script. Exactly. Yeah. It works. Stick with yeah. it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, so, uh, Florence Cook starts manifesting Katie King and she gets so good. At first, it was just like her face will appear like from behind uh-huh. a curtain or something. And then like her arm and her shoulder and her face would appear. And then it got to the point where she was like a full on person that was, Dancing around the room naked, giving lap dance. Nice. Right. So, <laughs> so, and this had gone on for like four years where she was, and she became super famous. Florence Cook did yeah. for, for uh, manifesting Katie King. And Katie King would then uh, basically entertain all these rich people who were paying for these seances and getting lap dances and shit. And then they no, wait, would, wait. I, I just realized it's her stripper name. <laughs> okay. So it's here's cinnamon. So here's what, so here's what, how, so here's how it would break down. Right. right. They would take, they would take Florence cook. Yeah. And they would put her in a separate room. They would basically take like a dark uh, uh, a room of the house, like the den. Okay, they would take yeah. the den in the house. They would put a big curtain up to like curtain off one corner of the room. Okay, 
And they put a chair behind that curtain. And then they would tie Florence Cook to the chair so she can't get up and move. Mm -hmm. And then from that chair, she would manifest Katie Cook or Katie King, who would then prounce out from behind the curtain and start doing her thing, wearing something completely different and looking. So uh, Florence Cook was kind of short and she was very pretty, but she was kind of short and like uh, there was just different. There was different descriptions as the like, and Katie King was like a lot taller and just yeah. like had a little bit of a slimmer build and just different kind of things like that, right? Huh, yeah. So, <laughs> uh, anyway, so that's how they would assume that it wasn't Florence Cook just changing her outfit because she would also be in a completely different outfit. Yeah, like the the spirit would always be in like an all white gown with like a white veil and like come out you know and do her thing or whatever until she'd take you know of course <laughs> until she took it off but <laughs> but she would always start in that right yeah and then of course florence cook behind the curtain would be fully dressed in something completely different like a black dress or something you know back there and right. then as soon as katie king would disappear back behind the curtain they would immediately run over and pull the curtain back to look and florence cook would be still sitting there in a chair tied up like tied up and blindfolded and everything so (laughs) nice right so uh so go ahead oh i was gonna say i i gotta say like uh i I feel like I got to like one, I'm like thinking of like the prestige or something like having like a twin or something like a lookalike. But I also am sitting here thinking like, why are like, why are ghosts so horny? Like, why do they got to get butt naked and grind on people? Like, is it because like they're in the, the ghost world and they can't feel anything? So the first thing you, I mean, if you think about it, if you're in the ghost world and you can't feel anything. So the first thing you want to do is rip all your clothes off and just feel the wind betwixt your thighs and you're like i'm gonna grind on this guy just to feel again because they would always promote living life to the fullest exactly all these ghosts that's what they would always do is they would always promote living life that's why these are parties man yeah that's why they're getting drunk and having a good time like there was this one seance where the fucking queen of england was at a seance and she said like she asked the spirit to bring her a bunch to bring her a cactus and it like made 20 cactuses fall from the ceiling and land on top of her. And she almost had to go to the hospital because all the needles from the fucking cactuses dropped on top of her. Damn. Dude. So somebody was standing behind a curtain, just throwing cactuses at the fucking queen. Imagine how much fun that was. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, for sure. <laughs> And it got away with it because it was the spirit. (laughs) (laughs) So that's why. That's why. Because they're just living life to the fullest. Right. Nice. Yeah. So, uh, so like I said, she's been doing this for years, like four years at this point. Mm -hmm. And uh, she's at this seance. She's got Katie King. She's tied to a chair. She's got Katie King out there doing her thing. And uh, this guy. Apparently, there was a prude in the room, okay? 
So Katie King goes over to this one guy and starts doing her thing all up on him, like, you know, $20 for a dance, baby. And he wasn't having any of it. Okay. None of it. And he like pushes her to the ground, like get the fuck away from me. Right. Right. And gets super pissed and like gets up and like grabs her by her hair and pulls her back up off the ground and was like about to like hit her or something. And these other guys come over and grab him and like wrestle him off of her and like pull him away into the other room. And he's like, no, he's like, I think that's Florence Cook in disguise trying to basically take us for our money. Right. So he he finally wrestles out of the grip of these up uh, these two other guys who grab him, goes running back into the room, like only moments later, right? Right. Gets back into the other room and where Katie King was laying on the floor, now there was just a pile of like her white gown that she was wearing was laying like in a pile there. And he like kicks that out of the way runs over and rips open the curtain and there's Florence cook still tied to the chair completely like still blindfolded still exactly the same way. Yeah. As and he's like, like, what the and, he, and he's like, no, he's like basically like flat out. No, no, I don't believe it. Like you had to, even though it was only moments later, like you had time to get retied back up. Fuck you. I don't believe it. I'm not paying you, you know, <laughs> You know how dicks are. Yeah. So <laughs> <laughs> fucking party <laughs> yeah. party poopers. Well, apparently he has some clout in the newspapers. Okay. So he starts spreading the word that this Florence Cook, Florence Cook, is a fraud. Oh, for real? Yeah. So so it starts getting around the newspapers that and like, and I was, I was about, as I was going to say earlier, like at this point, she was super famous, dude. Like she was going out on yachts. Like people were paying for like, for like month long vacations and fucking Italy and shit. Like that's like, awesome. Yeah. So she was, and her, her shtick was she wouldn't, she wouldn't charge people to come to her seance, but uh, they would just, uh, she would accept donations though if they wanted to donate and then uh, they would give gifts her big her big shtick was Katie King wouldn't reveal herself fully unless you had a gift for her I like it and these gifts normally were like very expensive jewelry and shit like that <laughs> makes sense right so, so this all happens with this guy who's got the clout in the newspaper. He starts spreading the word that, uh, you know, she's full of shit. So now she's like, I've got to, I've got to regain or re, uh, gain my name. I gotta, I gotta make myself, uh, look good in the eyes of, the world again so that people will start coming back to my seances because like her business just started to run dry because all the newspapers were saying that she was a fraud. Everyone's second guessing her now. Yeah. So she decided what best way 
to uh, have people think that I'm legit than to get an actual scientist to sit in on a seance and report scientifically that everything that I'm doing is 100% on the up and up. I like the style. I like the confidence. The confidence is real. Right. So that's what she does. So she goes and, and uh, at this point in time, she had a main benefactor. I'd like to call it her sugar daddy. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Was this guy named uh, Blackburn. Lord Blackburn. Yeah. And uh, he was like her main, her main uh, squeeze of money. Her regular. Yeah. Yeah. He like paid for everything for her, basically. Yeah. And he's like, okay, we've got to get your, I think he was also kind of like her pimp too. Cause he Mm -hmm. would get like a, he would get a cut of when all, all when they get all these other lords to come to the seance and shit, yeah. he would he would get a little cut of what they would, mm, you know, because okay. he's setting it up. You know, he's, he's her financial advisor. Yeah, he's the party planner. <laughs> yeah. So, so he's like, we've got to build your prestige. Okay. Mm-hmm. So he's like, I got, I know this guy. He just invented value or uh was it value yeah he is the inventor of value okay wow yeah and he's like i know him he, he's a he's just got knighted he's like a full-on 100 percent scientist like scientific mind uh if and and he's got all this like backing value. in the science <laughs> in the science community yeah so if he says you're legit, that's it. There's no question about it. You're fucking legit, right? Yeah. This guy's named Sir William Crooks. Okay. Sir William Crooks. Right. <laughs> so that's what she decides to do is they get a hold of Sir Crooks. Yeah. And they're like, we want you to do a seance with us. And, uh, and, and do all your scientific shit, and let's see if we're legit. Mm-hmm. And he says, fuck yeah, baby. Let's do this. <laughs> I got you, girl. I am first and foremost a scientist. I'm obligated by the laws of truth and reason. I will not touch inflammatory topics, especially when there is no scientific thought or method. I am not one to stir up controversy for controversy's sake, and I believe this is why my reputation precedes me. But when the subject of interest is young, yet voluptuous, yet innocent, I am obligated to use more academic skills to help. If you have any doubts as to the legitimacy of Florence Cook, I believe this will be of interest. The following are my accounts. When I first arrived at Miss Cook's family home, I understood why the profession of mediumship would have been necessary for the young lady. It was an artisan's home, just east of London. It was small and very blare. 
Mr. and Mrs. Cook greeted me with warmth, thanking me for my kindness and patronage. My pockets a bit thinner, I told them not to worry. I was doing a great favor for my friend Charles Blackburn and also for my own career. I explained to the Mr. and Mrs. that I was on the verge of a successful radiometer and already been inducted into the Royal Society. I had isolated a very valuable substance. I pulled out a small vial of volume that I kept in my pocket. There were many who felt I was going insane for carrying a poisonous material with me, but I knew I had control of it. After all, I had discovered it. I told Mr. and Mrs. Cook that I am normally very humble, but I hope to show them this to put them at ease. I told them that their daughter was in good scientific hands. Our goals are the same. If I can prove the validity of spiritualism, more name shall not just be known now, but live on in history. We sat down and sawed by the fireplace, and Mrs. Cook offered me a cup of tea. I took it, thanked her, and inquired as to Miss Cook's whereabouts. I was excited to meet the young lady who had often been described as, as a jubilant and lively. I told Mr. Cook that I hoped to take Florence back to my home and to begin the experiments immediately. They both grew nervous at once and Mr. Cook cleared his throat and said that Florence would be down soon but that I should not expect too much out of her. Apparently uh, the incident with Mr. Volkman had left her unwell. I said not to worry. I was sure that getting her out of her house so small would, would do her some good. For some time we waited in the sitting room until finally Miss Cook emerged. Mr. Cook was drabbling on about something, but as she entered the room, the words ceased to exist. If music was playing, it, it would have silenced itself out of respect for the attention her beauty commanded. She was smaller than I had imagined, yet incredibly graceful and elegant as she seemed to float across the room and her skin silk and porcelain beneath long flowing raven hair it was as if Aphrodite's had overtaken her as she spoke only a quick hello my eyes slowly and methodically made their way down to capture her fully when I noticed there was a wedding ring on her finger, well, I worried there would be a problem with her husband, as the proposed judgment had not thrilled my wife after all. I asked her if she was newly married. She said yes, that she had just married the day prior to a Mr. Cromer. I asked if it would be a problem for her to reside at my home during my experiments, and of course Mr. Blackburn would continue to uh, provide funds. She said that it would be, in fact, uh, it would be acceptable. 
I momentarily lost myself in her deep radiant eyes and then came to the conclusion that I wanted to do a great deal for the young lady. But as to her legitimacy, I needed to begin impartially. Miss Cook wore black velvet robe on her journey to my home and brought nothing with her but a small handbag and a red shawl. When we arrived, I gave her a short tour and my wife showed her to her room. She was with Miss Cook even as she rinsed to ensure the medium could not procure any apparatus that might aid her in her deception. I offered Miss Cook a brandy before the seance, but she did not partake. I asked to know before we began the best way to view her and the spirit together. Miss Cook shook her head frantically and said that it was not possible. I explained that I know no other way to provide her legitimacy. She said that her trances are very difficult. She said that if she sensed another presence in the cabinet, it would severely affect her ability to materialize a spirit, especially if it was a person that had the least bit of skepticism. Or try to reason with her, speaking of scientific method. But the young woman was resolute. There was no possibility of seeing the two of them together. I would have to find another way to prove she and Cody King were not the same. I told her that I would see what I could do. Then I held up my hand and I said, Let the party commence! It began to rain sometime while we were setting up. We used a drawing room as a cabinet, separating it off from the main living area by a curtain. Miss Cook, in absolutely nothing but her black robe, sat in a chair and instructed me as to how to tie her down. Cotton was preferred to rope because it would be less easy to slip out of. I used old rags to fix our wrists to the chairs, then sealed them with wax. There was no escaping, no possible method of transforming into the apparition as her doubters had supposed. Miss Cook asked me to tie the red shawl around her head. Absolute darkness was necessary. She said that any light could possibly distract her from her work, so we did. And again, check that the restraints were tight. I left the cabinet pulling the curtains closed behind me. We were led by Mr. Luxmore, who had a great deal more experience in seances than myself. Mr. Luxmore and my 14-year-old son arranged our chairs in a circle in front of the cabinet. I told Mr. Locksmore that all was ready and that we could begin. He blew out all of the candles and it was dark in the room. So dark that I could only see the shadowy outline of my son's arm 
and the whites of Mr. Luxembourg's eyes. The moonlight soaked through one of the windows, but I feared I would not have enough light to properly observe the spirit. I feared that she would touch me. I would feel the vapor, but not see its source. A moan came from behind the curtain. I turned to Mr. Luxmore and whispered if I should help the lady. He hushed me, and in the faint light I could see that he was shaking his head no. The moans continued, and first gently, but then it grew slightly louder. It was Miss Cook, I was sure of it. She didn't sound like she was in pain, but rather as if she was in the grips of ecstasy. Mr. Luxmore acted like it was normal. He simply stared at the curtain waiting. So I waited too. The window shutters rattled and a cold chill swept over me. I felt for the small vial of volume in my pocket. I squeezed it in a way that made me feel safe. Everything had logic, and I had reason. Everything could be understood. Suddenly, the curtain rustled. I had more breath for a long while until a woman's face appeared through the center. I saw the face for only a second, and I heard a moan again before it vanished back into the curtain. We heard a voice say, My medium is not real. I heard yet another moan from behind the curtain. I stood up and I asked if I should be let back there to check on Miss Cook's health, but Mr. Luxembourg gave no response. I had grown impatient. How was I supposed to carry out more scientific observations without a subject? I stood again, but I felt an arm press against my torso. Mr. Luxmore held me back and insisted in a whisper that I give it time. I waited for another flap of the curtain, but still, Katie did not emerge. After some time, I was ready to give up and return to my brandy. And we heard a voice say, Now would you like to know how I died? The hand had emerged from the curtain, followed by an arm and a leg, and then a full figure clad in a glistening sheer white robe. I could see only a shadow, but I saw her hair was covered with a white veil. Her face was as bright as the moon. Katie bowed, and I gasped. I did my best to regain my composure. I was to be an observer after all, and not get swept up in the fantasies of ghosts. But the feeling in the room, it gave my body chills. The ghost said that she could tell us the story, but she didn't see any gifts. Mr. Luxmore cleared his throat. He held out what looked like a small black box. 
Katie took it from him, opened it, and giggled. She was very pleased and began her story. Apparently in the box from Mr. Luxmore was a necklace. How was I to know she is supposed to be getting gifts? At the words I shivered yet again as Katie began to speak. She turned to my son and began telling him the story of her life as she was actually Annie Owen Morgan, daughter of a fabulously wealthy pirate Henry Morgan. She'd learned thievery from her father and murder from her friends. She'd killed so many men, she said. But by the age of 22, she was dead. She said that she died of a dreadful illness, that she wouldn't wish it on anyone, but heaven wouldn't take her, and she was too charming for hell. She turned to me finally. I could see her eyes. They did not look straight at me, but through me, devoid and hollow. So there she was, stuck in a spirit world, convincing the living to believe in her. She then asked me who I was. I explained that I'm William Crooks, her medium's patron, and that I wished to see her next to Miss Cook in the cabinet. Katie laughed and said that she was afraid that that would be very difficult. Skepticism might erode Miss Cook's ability to manifest her and she would disappear. And that wouldn't be what I wanted. She then said that if I tell her that I believe in her, then maybe arrangements could be made. I shook my head and told her that I cannot do that yet. Not until I have proper evidence. Katie stuck her hand out and told me to study her. She expressed to me that she thought I would find her far different from Miss Cook. I told her I needed more light and she allowed it, but not too bright because the lamps gave her headaches, she explained. My son fetched a phosphorus lamp. Katie spoke with Mr. Luxmore at one point, scribbling on a piece of paper. When my son returned and lit the lamp's remaining oil, he held it up. Katie stepped in front of me. I took notes of her flawless form, which I could now clearly see through the sheer white robe. She was much taller than Miss Cook, and her nipples were pierced. Of Miss Cook's nipples I had yet not known, but Katie did also appear to maybe be a full cup size larger in the breast than Miss Cook. I was surprised to find how fully formed she was. I heard of other mediums emitting only a slimy, viscous substance, but Katie was real as the living. I asked if I could take her hand. She accepted and giggled. She stuck her hand out as if expecting me to kiss it, but I did not. No, it would not be a professional to quarter subject, you see. I am a gentleman, 
as well as a scientist, so I did not kiss her hand, but I did take it and I applied my fingers to her inner wrist. Her skin was soft as glass, yet warm in a way I, I did not expect. I counted. Her pulse was cool and steady at 74 beats per minute. I made a note to myself to check Miss Cook's following the seance. I asked her to take off her veil. I wanted to see her hand compared to Miss Cook's. She playfully declined, stating that her hair was hers and hers alone. At this time, I heard coughing and moaning coming from Miss Cook. And in response, Katie seemed distraught and informed us that her medium was not well and had fallen from a chair. Katie pleaded for my help, then took my lamp and ran behind the curtain into the cabinet. I thought for certain this would be my chance to see both Katie and Miss Cook at the same time. But as I ran around the curtain, the light had disappeared and all I could see was the vague shadow of Miss Cook half fallen out of a chair. But I lifted her back on the chair and the red shower still covered her eyes. I looked around the cabinet hoping that I would see Katie but the spirit was gone. Miss Cook was indeed not well. Her coughing seemed to be getting worse. I offered her some brandy and gladly received a healthy full glass this time. I measured her pulse. It was 90 beats per minute, 15 higher than Katie's. And she could take very little of a breath. But Katie's lungs were sound, strong and healthy. We continued these seances often. And each time I built a little stronger, albeit stranger, relationship with Katie. Eventually I had convinced her to allow me to take photographs of her. At first she was shy and modest, but after time the photographs were more artistic. My favorite photo set was Cody sprawled under neon light with a white teddy and crossless thong. Very tasteful. The most astonishing thing though was how incredibly different Katie looked from Miss Cook. In another seance I hooked Miss Cook to a galvanometer to a to record any electrical currents she gave off during the seance. Had Miss Cook removed herself from the chair and appeared to us as Katie, then the galvanometer would have read zero. However, after the session, I checked to read the readouts and it showed a constant current with no breaks of any form throughout. This scientific evidence, I believe, is the second that forces me to believe that Cook is not Katie. That Miss Cook and Katie are in fact not the same person. Katie fully materialized out of the ether. She is living, breathing, and fully who. At this point I fear that I'm nearly a believer. 
I told Miss Cook as much and she told me that I do need to keep trying to get that last piece of evidence that I need. She feels that very soon I'll be able to see both Miss Cook and Katie King at the same time. She was right. It happened right before my very eyes on the final night. We had agreed that this would be the final night that the medium would be at my house for for one, my wife was beginning to become more and more impatient with my nightly sessions, and for two, Miss Cook's health had been drastically worsening each night. She was now drinking an entire bottle of brandy in one night and seemed increasingly depressed. Her coughing wasn't improving either. She seemed glad when I tied her to a chair for the last time and pulled the curtain closed. As soon as I sat, Katie stuck her head out from behind the curtain and flirtatiously bantered that she wouldn't come out until she sold gifts for her. I laughed and pulled a bouquet of flowers from behind my back that I'd picked just for Katie. She reappeared from behind the curtain and gratefully took the flowers, deeply inhaling their scent. She commented on how she was going to miss me and my beautiful gifts. I had to admit that I was going to miss her as well. Over these many seances, I had grown quite fond of her. I told her that one day I wish I'd be able to see her hair. She told me that one day maybe all would, if not in death. She then took me by the arm and we walked around the table as she would say her goodbyes to each other person. She gave a single rose to Mr. Luxmore and another single rose to my son. To my wife, who had done a great deal of allowing these experiments to happen, Katie gave her three roses. I was completely entranced by her. It was as if the dead had grabbed me by the collar and dragged me to another world. Another dimension. Another parallel universe. I reached deep into my pocket and pulled out my vial volume. I told her I had one last gift. My most precious possession. I explained that the substance was what made me a man of such import. She was quite flattered, but instead of taking the vial from me, she commanded me to smash it on the floor. I trembled at the thought of such a wasteful act and asked if she was being serious. She most definitely was and again commanded me to smash the vial on the floor. I took a deep breath, raised my hand over my head, and tossed the vial, smashing it onto the floor. Katie had my full devotion now, and she knew it. She smiled at me, and then slowly she removed her vial. Rich auburn ringlets fell to either side. Her hair was breathtakingly beautiful. 
She asked for a pair of scissors and, and then thanked everyone one last time before cutting off one of her ringlets of hair. She then pulled a long blue ribbon from her bodice and tied the hair to the stem of a rose and handed it to me. She then took my hand and leaned in close to me. Her gorgeous voice was only inches from mine when she whispered asking me to join her behind the curtain. I felt as if the wind had been knocked out of me. My legs grew numb with excitement. Would I finally see Katie and Miss Cook together at the same time? I asked if she was certain and she ever so gently brushed her lips to my cheek and smiled before darting back behind the curtain. I hurriedly grabbed my lantern without a word to anyone else and followed behind her. As I circled behind the curtain, all I saw was Miss Cook, who had apparently fallen again from her chair. I lifted her back onto her chair and began to reach for the red shawl that still covered her eyes. But as I reached, I heard a voice. I heard the voice of Katie behind me, and it froze me in my tracks. She was telling me how silly it was for me to try to remove Miss Cook's blindfold because if I had, then Miss Cook would come out of a trance and Katie would then disappear forever. I pulled my hand away from the red scarf and slowly turned my head to the voice of Katie. The first thing that I saw was those endless perfect legs illuminated by my lamp. As I began to stand upright, the rest of a flawless figure came into light. Yes, it was the spirit that had my heart racing with every ounce of my being. Just to be sure of myself, I looked back at Miss Cook and then back to Katie and then back to Miss Cook and then then back to Katie. I continued like this several times over just to be completely sure that my eyes were not deceiving me. I was absolutely certain that there was now two distinct figures in front of me, two completely different women. Two of them and one of me. Evidence number three. I told Katie that I would write the important papers because without a shadow of a doubt, her medium, Miss Cook, had scientifically proven her legitimacy. Hearing this, Katie smiled wider than I'd ever seen her smile before. Then unexpectedly, She aggressively leaned her full body into mine and kissed me. Her lips, soft and moist, on mine were as real as anything I'd ever experienced in my life. I ran my arms around her and kissed her back deeply. 
Our hands explored each other's bodies. A feeling of need completely overtook me as I ripped the clothes off of my exposed acknowledgement of scientific and unquestionable proof of the legitimacy of Miss Cook and her skills as a medium but also as a confession of the great love that I had found in the arms of a spirit who was as real as you or I now, even if only for a moment. I'll leave you with this. After that seance, after everything was packed and put away and the lots were turned back on. I thought that I would have nothing of Katie but the memories. Then I remembered the robes. And there, still tied to the stem, was a ringlet of auburn hair. I said all that to say this. Have you perfected your cloning machine yet? Just asking for a friend. Signed, Sir William Crooks.
So that was the seance of Florence Cook and Katie King and Sir Crooks. What do you think, Alex? That's wild. Uh, (laughs) It is wild. I've got, I got some things. Um, Number one, I was, I said that earlier, like what if like me being the skeptic on this one, I, I got to go like, all right, first of all, what if he, she just has a girl that vaguely resembles her following her around all these parties and they do like the magic trick of like, you know, where you put the chick in a box and you like dismember her or like you put her in a box and she is like a contortionist and goes down to the hidden basement and then they pull open the box and no one's there, but they're doing it where it's like a switch, like a looky loo. Yeah. Uh, that was my first thing. And then like that way, like if anybody runs to cook, she's still sitting there, but the other chick would have to be great at blending in and fading out and getting out of houses. Oh yeah, for sure. Um, so that being said, let me yeah. tell you this. Okay. When Florence cook went to go stay for a week at, uh, sir crook's house right yeah not only did she go and stay the whole week with him but also her sister kate went and stayed the whole week with him shut up really (laughs) (laughs) yes and their mom also (laughs) what's her name catherine (laughs) (laughs) 
Oh God. Okay. 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 I see you. I see you, King. Um, yeah. <laughs> and um, and they made it. And they made it. And it's like you heard earlier. Like it was. It was Sir Crooks, his wife, his yep. his son, one other man, and that was it. That were yep. sitting in there. So her sister Kate wasn't in on the seance, but was in the house somewhere. Yeah. Or maybe running around half naked. <laughs> so, yeah. Uh, I 100% was ready to believe, like, as you're telling me this, and I'm listening, I was sitting there going, okay, what's going to happen is she's like, you know, you're devoted to me. Come in here with uh, Miss Cook. And then it goes in there and like I a whole I wholeheartedly at first believed that it was just her. And she was like, Look, I'll blow you if you don't <laughs> tell anybody. She's like, You've already said you're devoted. You threw your volume on the floor. Just go a little bit further. Look, your wife's out there, no one's gonna know. Yada yada yada. Just keep it up. Lay, it's all for the money, homie. Like, we'll come back and do this like once every couple months. <laughs> So now there are people who suggest that Florence Cook was having an affair with with crooks during this week. Of course. Well, and, why wouldn't they? And that that's exactly what happened. Yeah. That they went behind the curtain and that and she's like, because they were behind the curtain for like 10 minutes, 10, 15 yeah, minutes before. You know that thing you keep asking me to do, but I won't do. I'll do it right now. Yeah, right now, and this is what, the, and this is the story you're going to tell. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> I'm going to let the listeners just believe whatever that thing is. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, requires lubricant. <laughs> <laughs> well, me and you are on the same page. <laughs> oh man! So yeah. So, dude, it could be either one of those. Like, because yeah. I'm, I'm just as much of a skeptic on this as you are. Like, because yeah. I'm thinking, okay, one, she's got her sister there. She's also got her mom there. Yeah. The differences were that Katie King was taller and she didn't have pierced ears, but, but uh, Florence Cook does have pierced ears. Mm. That was like the other major difference was the height and the ears. And then and then uh, Florence Cook has jet black hair, and Katie King had auburn hair. Oh, okay. Do we know what color hair Kate Cook had? We do not. Mm, okay. Do we know how tall Kate Cook is? We do not. Yeah. These are all things that were conveniently left out of the history books. No kidding. <laughs> but, I mean... Look at most siblings. There's always one that's usually taller than the other, especially if they're same um, lineage. Uh, like I, I feel, I say that, but then I think about like me and my brother. And me and my brother are actually about the same height, but like you and your brothers are definitely different heights. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. My brother um, Nick's like a whole head taller than me. Yeah. It, me and my brother are eye to eye and it's ironic because you know we have different dads but we're the exact same height yeah 
Yeah, yeah. Nick and I have different uh, dads. Yeah. Yeah. But uh, yeah, it's crazy, crazy how much different. But Stephen and I, my brother Stephen, he's yeah. pretty much the same height as me. Yeah. Well, that's what's so funny. Like, like I guess like you all like. Uh, well, the weird thing is my my brother should be taller than me. I feel bad for him because his dad yeah. is like six six one, and my dad's like five eleven. Right. Yeah. But me and him are like boom out of now i i feel like i look bigger because i'm fatter um <laughs> he did get that good he got those good ass jeans whatever those are where he just you know he's like a 50 year old man with an eight pack for no damn reason yeah um, i'm like what do you do oh, actually i literally asked him i'm like what'd you do he goes well i stopped eating chips yeah that was it yeah he's like i stopped eating chips and started working out i'm like uh First of all, you can kiss my ass is what that is. Uh, well, I would have to. And I started working out. Yeah, but so. it wasn't. He was telling me he was doing some routines, but I'm telling you, like, in one of my peak physical times in my 20s, I shit you not, I was working out probably like two or three hours a day. Still did not see abs. Oh, yeah. Dude, like, when I was when I was in the Air Force, yeah. right out of basic training, I was 185 pounds. Yeah. If you know me, you know that's a third of what I am now. Yeah. Okay. Skin and bones. Yeah. And I was I was I was my when I came home from base or when I graduated basic training, my family all came down to see me graduate. And they were like scared. They're like you look sick. Like you're so skinny. It's yeah. ridiculous. And even then, even then, I did not have abs. Yeah, dude. And I'm like, I'm like, this is ridiculous. And I remember saying to myself, if I ever have a belly that has any kind of hang to it, ever, I just shoot me. <laughs> now I'm like, thank God I didn't just shoot myself. Yeah, I was gonna say, how's that going? <laughs> Uh, I just noticed mine had some extra hang the other day. Yeah, dude. Uh, when I was like 15, 16 and I was working, I was swimming twice a day and doing weights, no abs. I actually had abs on my lower back, not on my front. <laughs> Cause nice. someone's, someone saw me jump in a pool. It was like, this is going to sound weird, but somehow your back muscle has abs like lining the bottom of your spine. I'm like, well, that's fucked up because I still have a pooch up front. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, shit. Yummy. Yeah. Um, so Florence. Uh, yeah. yeah. How the hell do we get off on this? So um, <laughs> Florence Cook. Dude, yeah, here's yeah. another here's another crazy thing about this story. Uh, so she got married. So when. She was like 18, 19 by the time this whole thing with Sir Crooks happened. Yeah. But uh, she had gotten married right before then. And her husband was like big time. He was part of that. He was part of that school, that seance school that mm -hmm. she had went to at four at 14. Yeah. So he's like, he's, he's in the, he's in the crowd, right? Right. And 
they like she ends up dying young at like uh i don't know like 30 or 40 if that even uh florence cook does okay so who does he marry like a year later kate cook of course yeah yeah (laughs) of fucking course yep dude it's some (laughs) some shady shit's going on there's some shady shit that might have been going on the whole time just no one talked about it yeah Uh, yeah dude she she was the she was the fun one (laughs) yeah 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 right (laughs) (laughs) oh oh man so yeah so florence cook before she died she uh really never uh she got her name like she got her uh she wasn't considered a fraud anymore after that but she still never really had the kind of fame uh, she had before yeah yeah it sounds like they they put the seed of doubt and then after that, it's like your reputation is destroyed. Yeah. Not like people still believe, but you don't, they don't have that nuanced fame anymore. You know, like yeah. I feel like celebrities nowadays that happens to like, right. like, um, once you're accused you're to- of pedophilia, that's it. Like yeah, you can't, that's come, pretty much over. You can't, <laughs> even if you're found not guilty, you know, you yeah. still can't come back from that. <laughs> Yeah. yeah. Yeah, it's pretty much over. Uh R. Kelly. Um <laughs> which he got away with it the first time and we all joked about it. It was just yeah. like I ah, peeing on people. Uh weirdo. Exactly. Um, and then they made a documentary and we're like, oh, that got intense. Uh, how many people do you think OJ Simpson has killed after he's got <laughs> I was away? gonna say since then. Yeah. I don't know. Has OJ Simpson fame really deteriorated because of that because uh i gotta be i gotta be honest i follow him on twitter because uh his shit's hilarious his shit is hilarious because you're <laughs> like let's see what this psycho has to say today and uh it's it's like watching a train wreck at that point yeah um it's amazing who was it uh dude i swear there's something about oj simpson they keep bringing up where it's like a news anchor. Like I'm talking about like right after the murders happened. Right. Um, and there was someone that interviewed him. I mean, it might've been like four or five years later, but still pretty recent yeah. uh, in comparison. And he asked this uh, like anchor woman to come to his dressing room. <laughs> and then he pretend like he had a knife in his hand. It was like, get it. Cause it's funny. Right. <laughs> And then she talked about how horrifying it was. I was like, "Oh yeah, I would say so." Uh, yeah, he's like, "Get it, cause I'm innocent." Get it? <laughs> yeah, get it. <laughs> Don't walk to your car alone. Uh, <laughs> oh my god. God, yeah, that's another. Like, what if OJ is innocent? Yeah. I mean, like he, the uh, self, I mean, he is by according to court of law, according to law, he is. Yeah. Yeah. But we all go according mm. to civil court. He's not. That's right. That's what's weird about this. Um, <laughs> civil court found him guilty as fuck. Yeah. Now you will pay this family 
forever. Oh, but you know, all he really needed was a good medium on his side. <laughs> yeah. Where was his, what was the guy names? Cockburn. What the fuck yeah. was that guy's name? Blackburn. Blackburn. Yeah. <laughs> he needed a Blackburn on his yeah. finance. His, uh, he could have just disappeared behind a curtain. <laughs> Never I'm, been I'm, seen again. God, you, you maybe sort of think of other celebrities that like have, um, had fallen off the limelight because of something like I've, I was actually just watching. I'll, if he minds on Snapchat, I, uh, I watch the looper every once in a while. And it usually talks about like top 10 celebrities that people are hate nowadays. Um, and I was sitting there thinking of like people that had either been accused of something or did something. And then Mel most- Gibson was one of those for a minute. And then, you know, and then he came back with the hit fat man. And now everybody loves him. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Everyone forgave him. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. I don't know about that one. Um, see, I was sitting there trying to think of the, the, like Robert Downey Jr. would be a good one because like he went, the, but here's the thing. He went to jail. He did drugs, but he didn't piss off like society. You know what I'm right. saying? Like, like right. yeah. he did shitty things. And everyone was like, oh, he's a mess, but he got his shit together, came back, he's Iron Man, yada, yada. But he didn't like do something horrific to other people. And you go, right. holy fuck. And then you're like, eh, I, c- I could forgive him. Like, even, uh, oh, what's that chick that cooks with butter? Um, <laughs> the one who's got an affair with Snoop Dogg right now? No, not that one. No. Hey, y'all. Um, oh, oh, okay. The one who's got a restaurant in in uh, Paula Dean. Yeah, Paula Dean. Yeah. Thank you, thank you for my wife for, with the assist. Yeah, uh, yeah, Paula Dean because she like apparently like you know uh, made some racist theme uh, wedding party um, <laughs> something I don't know something like that happened and then like. <laughs> like everyone went fuck her and then all of a sudden she like came back on like dancing with the stars like everything's okay now right i'm i said i'm sorry but it it wasn't okay <laughs> like then she just faded off into existence like no one ever talks about paula dean anymore well she's um, still got a restaurant to- in uh gatlinburg though well yeah she's got to make money <laughs> and i but that's the other thing <laughs> Oh my god! I was I was thinking about this as a stand-up bit the other day. It's like, uh, uh, like, yeah, I'm actually gonna say that. Uh, but like, it's food. I don't know. We're fat shits in America. Yeah, like, we're like. Ah. I mean, she was on Dancing with the Stars, and she did say, "I'm sorry," but these fucking biscuits are amazing. That's right. Uh, <laughs> they are full of butter, and everybody loves butter. Yeah. Uh, well, we just have a vat of butter. We deep fry everything in. Um, have you ever seen? Did you? Were you there for the mashed potatoes that I that the bowl of butter that I said was mashed potatoes at our in laws' house? No, but that would have been hilarious. And I'm curious <laughs> to see where this goes. <laughs> yeah, so I was making mashed like box mashed potatoes or some shit. Yeah, at uh at our in laws' house. For like the whole family. Yeah. And 
when I was done with it, I had put so much butter in it that it was just like liquid butter with like you could Chunks barely even, potatoes. You could barely even tell that it was mashed potatoes. It was so liquidy of yeah. just butter. <laughs> And like to the point where basically nobody could even eat it. And I was the only one that ate it because I was like, fucking, I'm eating it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Our our mother-in-law, who's like constantly on a diet, probably loved that one. Yeah, well, our father-in-law still brings it up every once in a while. Anytime there's mashed potatoes on the table. I'll, I'll have to bring that up to him. I haven't heard that one. I like yeah. to hear his take on it. Um which I, I got to give it to her. She, she like, she's like one of the most healthy eaters all I've ever seen. Cause uh, I sit there and kind of peep. I dude, I'm like a food peeper. I'm like a peeping Tom for food. Like if you're eating something, I'm kind of eyeball it to see what you're rocking with. Yeah. I do it at work too. Like I'm that guy. I'm like, Hey, wh- what you eat today? Huh? And it's like, man, I got some, do, do, do. Yeah, you know, whatever. Yeah. Um, but the bowl of, cause the bowl of butter oh. <laughs> chunky butter i bet you my, my mom would have sat there ate it with you she she's she self like confessed that she loves butter like to the point where she was like i could eat it with a spoon oh uh, yeah she would love this then yeah dude it, it's it's no lie we would have tore seen, into it <laughs> yeah i've seen her butter cornbread before i'm like oh that's a lot of butter. <laughs> <laughs> All right, man. Uh, that's all I got for Florence Cook. Yeah, sorry. Uh, butter and biscuits is where we ended up. Yeah. Um, uh, Florence Cook. You think she's legit or you think she had something going on on the side? <laughs> you can't even say it with a straight face. <laughs> You're like, <laughs> oh, I think she had everything on the side. Uh, yeah. the, uh, I, I don't have any. Like you almost had me when you were like, and then he, you know, like they went into the the area together, him and her and Crooks, and I'm like, all right, and this is where she blows them. This is where she blow. Oh, she didn't blow them. Okay. Oh, they're both there. Okay. And then I thought you were going to say, tell me something crazy, like she just, do, you know, like just whoa, like yeah. vanished in thin air. Now, uh. According yeah. to him, that's what happened. Maybe he All had right. a threesome back there with both of them. Probably. And they talked him into telling the story that he told. Yeah. So, yeah, I'm totally, uh, I'm on the side of skepticism and, uh, uh, yeah, definitely skepticism. <laughs> Dude, I, yeah, I, I don't think it was legit real of course yeah. now katie king's going to come to me in my sleep tonight and- yeah i was gonna say i guess they need to take us behind the curtain right yeah. uh, <laughs> and make us believe <laughs> i believe i believe she gonna yeah. have to well, we have to give her a gift first <laughs> yeah yeah right do you remember that scene from ghostbusters which one <laughs> um was it the first one where Dan Aykroyd, like, basically gets blown by a ghost. Oh, my God. Yeah, that's the first one. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and, he, that, and he bangs the ooze in the second one. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, so that was Katie King. Yeah. Uh, 
Could have been. Yeah. Uh, I believe it. Yeah. <laughs> There's the male version of her was in the scary movie. Got a little piece of Tory spelling. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> I just watched that the other day. Great movie. Oh, my God. I forgot about that. <laughs> yeah. Or you could do the not so fun version of that from, was it a haunted house? Where the ghost first hooks up with the wife and then it hooks up with the guy the next night. <laughs> oh, yeah. I don't remember that. <laughs> oh, I was waiting for a scene like that in uh, Paranormal Activity. Oh, yeah. It never really happened. Never really came to fruition. Yeah. I'm like, yeah. damn. Like in the first and the very first Paranormal Activity movie. Yeah. I'm like, this demon is going to bang this chick. It's got to happen. Yeah. It wouldn't surprise me. And I can't believe it didn't happen. Yeah, no kidding. Shocking. Shocking <laughs> turn of events. <laughs> yep. Spoiler alert. Yeah, right. All right, Alex. Where can they find us on social media? All right. Well, I... <laughs> Everyone could find us on all social medias, meaning we are definitely on the Twitter sphere at Think Soberless. I know it sounds different because it is, but don't worry. We are on Instagram as well at Soberless Thoughts. Don't forget we're on Facebook, Soberless Thoughts. Uh, and we always like it when you like, share, and comment on all things Soberless Thoughts on our social medias. But don't forget, if you want to actually contact us directly to email us at Thoughts at gmail.com. Uh, we'd love to hear drink ideas. We want to hear uh, episode ideas, movie ideas, anything you got. We will take it over and contemplate it with seriousness as we drink and talk about these things. Uh, now, if you like the podcast, tell your friends, your family, your loved ones, the spirits that are hovering around the atmosphere. Tell them all to go find us anywhere you can find any of our podcasts, meaning Spotify, iTunes, Google Play, any kind of podcast catcher, and also like, share, and comment on all things Soberless Thoughts. Soberless Thoughts. And uh, when you find yourself in a Seon skillet, you need to stay cheesy and buttery, keep it greasy, and flip the fuck on out. Oh. Always 
Song to all the girls we've loved. 